Chapter Seventeen of Mosby's Memoirs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. Mosby's Memoirs by Colonel John Singleton Mosby. Chapter Seventeen. Final Scenes. Footnote. This chapter was prepared from material collected by Colonel Mosby. End footnote. The war drama was now drawing to a close. According to General John B. Gordon, Lee's troops were subsisting on parched corn, and one day a private accosted him with the request, "'I say, General, can't you give us a little fodder?' Gordon also said that Lee's surgeons reported to him that the men were in such bad condition that, if wounded, they would become gangrened. Grant's remorseless policy had caused the Confederates to rob the cradle and the grave, and the blockade had all the time been aiding the Federal armies, silently but effectively. Colonel Mosby was wounded on December 21, 1864, and naturally it was some time before he could get to work again. Extracts from the Diary of Mosby's Mother Sunday, January 1, 1865 Hear by the papers today that dear John is recovering. We feel intense anxiety about John. No tidings from John. Tuesday, the 3rd This evening John arrives safely and doing well. February 24th John sent Mrs. J. S. Mosby his photograph and a piece dedicated to Mosby and his men, called, They Will Never Win Us Back. We feel so sad at the thought of our dear John leaving us tomorrow. February 25th. The day has come and the hour has passed that saw our dearest one leave once more the household group to go back to battle for his country and all that is dear to man and woman. It is one of the saddest events of my life when I have to part from my dear boys, to go to the army. Yet I know God is there, as well as around the peaceful and secure fireside. A crisis is upon us. We are beset on all sides by a powerful enemy. But while Colonel Mosby was recovering, his men were by no means idle. Extract from a Confederate newspaper the part attributed to Captain Taylor's company, in a notice copied into yesterday's paper, was in reality an exploit of Major Richards of Mosby's command, as accurate accounts have since established. On Thursday last, Major Richards, with a force of sixty men, struck the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad between Duffield and Martinsburg, and captured a train of fifteen cars, propelled by two engines, and loaded with supplies for Sheridan's army. The engines were blown up and the cars consumed by fire. Our adventurous soldiers loaded their horses with such articles as they could carry, many of them possessing themselves in this manner of sacks of coffee, besides other desirable supplies. Major Richards has already established his fame as one of the most active and successful of Mosby's indefatigables. When Mosby went to Richmond early in December, 1864, he presented the following letter to the Confederate War Department. December 6, 1864. Honorable James A. Seddon, Secretary of War. Sir, I beg leave to recommend, 
in order to secure greater efficiency in my command, that it be divided into two battalions, each to be commanded by a major. The scope of duties devolving upon me being of a much wider extent than on officers of the same rank in the regular service, but small time is allowed me to attend to the duties of organization, discipline, etc. I am confident that the arrangement I propose would give me much more time both for planning and executing enterprises against the enemy. I would recommend Captain William H. Chapman, commanding Company C, 43rd Virginia, P.R. Battalion, and Captain Adolphus E. Richards, commanding Company B, same battalion, for the command of the two. Letter mutilated here. Have both on many occasions valor and skill to which my reports so in engagements with the aldi charlestown and very respectfully your obedient servant signed john s mosby lieutenant colonel on january ninth eighteen sixty five mosby's commission as a colonel was issued william chapman whose brother sam a baptist preacher whom Colonel Mosby described as the only man he ever saw who really enjoyed fighting, and who generally went into the fray with his hat in one hand and banging away with his revolver with the other, became a lieutenant colonel. On March 27, 1865, Colonel Mosby was put in command of all northern Virginia, and then on April 9th came the surrender of Lee at Appomattox. The colonel often said that if his small mother had been in command of the southern armies, the war would have been going on yet. Extracts from the Diary of Mosby's Mother Saturday, March 6. Today will be a day never to be forgotten. We heard the Yankees occupied Charlottesville last evening and are advancing up here. All is consternation and confusion. We are trying to get our things out of the way. Rumor after rumor arrives, and we know not how to proceed. We expect to be driven from our homes. Oh, may we be spared, and our house and the vile Yankees driven back. Saturday, April 3rd. Captain Kennan left, and Mr. Moore to go to Colonel Mosby's command. There is a craven spirit abroad with our people. If overpowered, we will have to submit to the powers that be, but I would feel that the Yankees themselves would despise us if we recanted our southern principles. They would have no confidence in us, and look with contempt on us, as they should do. I think a deserter on either side the most degraded human being that breathes. Yes, we hate them, and the Yankees do too, and they will hiss them. Sunday, April ninth, I went out and heard the deep-toned cannon, carrying hundreds and perhaps thousands to that long sleep that knows no waking. Oh, how my heart went up for our great, our noble Lee, that God would give him strength in weakness to bring us out of battle a victorious people. If God does see fit to crush us and bow us down, because of our sins and the sins of this nation, I feel it will be injustice and mercy, and will even believe he doeth all things well but there are hearts too noble to be conquered. Our Lee will stand out a man in all the nations of the earth, nobler and greater in adversity than any other man with a crown on his head. I hear of fearful desertions, poor craven spirits. I hope the Yankee bullets will yet pierce their hateful hides. 
General Lee surrendered to superior numbers today at Appomax Courthouse. Headquarters, Middle Military Division, Winchester, Virginia, April 10, 1865. The Major General Commanding announces to the citizens in the vicinity of his lines that General Robert E. Lee surrendered with the Army of Northern Virginia yesterday to Lieutenant General Grant near Appomattox Courthouse. Officers and men were all paroled. Signed, W. S. Hancock, Major General, U.S. Volunteers. Official, E. B. Parsons, Assistant Adjutant General, APMG. P.S. All detachments and stragglers from the Army of Northern Virginia will, upon complying with the above conditions, be paroled and allowed to go to their homes. Those who do not so surrender will be brought in as prisoners of war. The guerrilla chief Mosby is not included in the parole. Signed, W.S.H. Headquarters, Middle Military Division, Winchester, April 11, 1865. Colonel John S. Mosby, Commanding Partisans. Colonel, I am directed by Major General Hancock to enclose you copies of letters which passed between Generals Grant and Lee on the occasion of the surrender of the Army of Northern Virginia. Major General Hancock is authorized to receive the surrender of the force under your command on the same conditions offered to General Lee, and will send an officer of equal rank with yourself to meet you at any point and time you may designate, convenient to the lines, for the purpose of arranging the details, should you conclude to be governed by the example of General Lee. Very respectfully, your servant, C. H. Morgan, Brigadier General, Chief of Staff. April 15, 1865. Major General W. S. Hancock, Commanding. General, I am in receipt of a letter from your Chief of Staff, General Morgan, enclosing copies of correspondence between Generals Grant and Lee, and informing me that you would appoint an officer of equal rank with myself to arrange the details for the surrender of the forces under my command. As yet I have no notice through any other source of the facts concerning the surrender of the Army of Northern Virginia, nor, in my opinion, has the emergency yet arisen which would justify the surrender of my command. With no disposition, however, to cause the useless effusion of blood or to inflict upon a war-warned population any unnecessary distress, I am ready to agree to a suspension of hostilities for a short time in order to enable me to communicate with my own authorities, or until I can obtain sufficient intelligence to determine my future action. Should you accede to this proposition, I am ready to meet any person you may designate to arrange the terms of the armistice. I am, very respectfully, your obedient servant, John S. Mosby, Colonel C.S.A. This letter, to Hancock, who was at Winchester, was written at Warrenton, Fauquier County, Virginia, the home of the Washington family. It was sent by a flag of truce that was carried by Colonel William H. Chapman, Dr. Montero, and my brother, William H. Mosby, who was my adjutant. J.S.M. Mosby's Farewell Address to His Command Fauquier County, April 21, 1865 Soldiers, I have summoned you together for the last time. The visions we have cherished of a free and independent country have vanished, 
and that country is now the spoil of the conqueror. I disband your organization in preference to surrendering it to our enemies. I am no longer your commander. After an association of more than two eventful years, I part from you with a just pride in the fame of your achievements, and a grateful recollection of your generous kindness to myself. And at this moment of bidding you a final adieu, accept the assurance of my unchanging confidence and regard. Farewell. Signed, John S. Mosby, Colonel. Valley Farm, August 27, 1865 My dearest Pauline, I stayed almost a week at pause, and then returned to Uncle John's, as the infernal Yankees were in Lynchburg, which made it dangerous to remain there longer. Uncle John made John Hipkins go to Richmond, as we were anxious to learn what were the designs of the Yankees towards me. Mr. Palmer went to see General Lee. General Lee sent me word by Willie Cable that he was waiting to see General Grant. He also said that he entirely approved of everything I had done. He is going to move up to Haymarket. When I passed through Charlottesville there were fourteen Yankee cavalry in the place. I met a lieutenant and one man in the street. They said nothing to me. I went up to the university to call on Dr. McGuffey. A short while after I left it was surrounded by two companies of Yankee cavalry. If you see Willie, tell him Pa is anxious for him to return home. I want to find out what will be the course of the Yankees towards me before I return to Fauquier. Extract from a Lynchburg, Virginia, paper of 1865 Some little stir was created in the city yesterday by the report that Colonel Mosby, the celebrated partisan chieftain, was in Lynchburg. Various reasons were expressed as to the cause of his appearance, but the following are, we believe, the facts of the case. Some days since Colonel Mosby's brother came to Captain Swank, provost-marshal of the city, to inquire if Mosby would be paroled on coming in and surrendering to the authorities. Captain Swank replied that he would make inquiries upon the subject, and give him an answer in a few days. Day before yesterday, he again called to see the marshal upon the subject, and was told that Colonel Mosby would be paroled if he would come in and give himself up. In accordance with this information, Mosby came into Lynchburg yesterday, and applied to the provost-marshal's office for a parole. Captain Garnett happened to be attending to the duties of the office at the time, and, not being aware of the arrangement, sent to Colonel Duncan for instructions. He was immediately ordered not to parole Colonel Mosby until further orders from Colonel Duncan. In the meantime a dispatch was received from Richmond and Mosby was ordered to leave town immediately, while the provost guard were instructed to see that he did so without molestation or hindrance. The dispatch is generally supposed to have been an order for his arrest, probably under a misapprehension of the facts, and, as he had come here under an implied safeguard from the military authorities, they felt bound in honor not to take advantage of the act. Extract from the Alexandria State Journal, 1865 we last night noticed the fact that Major sick, Mosby was in the city, and his presence was much courted by his friends and admirers. An hour after his arrival there was hardly a sympathizer with the late Confederacy here who did not know of his presence. Wherever he went he was followed by a large crowd of friends. 
he seemed to make Harper's store his headquarters, and whenever stationed there large crowds, composed of a plentiful sprinkling of colored men and boys, gathered on the corner and blockaded the sidewalk, sometimes almost obstructing the street. This became so annoying that about four o'clock p.m. last evening the military authorities ordered his arrest. He was arrested by Captain McGraw at the residence of Mrs. Boyd Smith, on St. Asaph Street, and was taken before General Wells, who held him until he communicated with headquarters at Washington, and received orders for his release. Leesburg, January 8, 1866 Dearest Pauline, I was just in the act of starting home this morning when an order came for my arrest. I am now under arrest here, awaiting orders from General Ayres. Don't be uneasy. Yours affectionately, John S. Mosby. From the Baltimore Sun, February 6th, 1866. Colonel Mosby has been released upon parole by General Grant, he being included in the terms of General Lee's surrender. Thus it was nearly a year after Lee's surrender that the war closed for Mosby. End of chapter.